0: So we've been talking about um, what's coming, and it's not good. It's not good.
1: So are you predicting are you believing that we are around the corner of a real like collapse or so recession? The what problem is at?
0: the problem is timing with me. So when you say right around the corner, I will tell you that a collapse is coming. That will change everything. I believe that it will come before this, uh, it come shortly uh, before or shortly after the election. Um, and I think... So that it, imminent, like when you say the election, you mean the midterm I election? I think it could happen tomorrow. They know once America and the Western world see what's going on, It's not going to, I mean, you think what's happening, look what's happening with just with COVID, the truckers up in Canada, people standing up. When people really understand, things are going to change. So it's a race. Do we wake up before they put us in a cage, a digital cage? That's really what's happening. So I don't know when, but they need us in a digital cage and the best way to do it. And the last way to do it is a total meltdown of the financial system of the West. Because that's when you change everything. So, Mm. please, concentrate on what you have and what you need to do. What do you do? Well, if you don't have very much money, I would buy canned foods. Canned foods. Every time you go to Costco, buy more than you need. And don't touch it. Leave it. Canned food will be not only a blessing for your family and others, but it is also something that will have great value. If things really go to hell in a handbasket, you ain't seen nothing yet with a supply chain. So please, prepare your family for impact. Get food that is not just to feed your family, but it can be used to trade and will be worth money. All the way from cans of food to, you know, nails. And, I mean, look at what's happening with lumber. What are people going to need? Cigarettes, alcohol, uh, whatever it is that you know society just takes for granted. Those things will be worth a lot. (laughs) You think bullets are expensive now? Just wait. You go from that all the way to land. Do not over-leverage yourself. You have to understand what's coming your way, so don't over-leverage yourself. But land, if you have the money, has intrinsic value. I would say be careful of a rental property. Why? Did you see the news that came out today on rentals? The price of rent is the is increasing at the fastest pace in decades. People are, it's 10% rent is going up 10% this year and they think it's they don't think it's done yet. What happens if you are the guy who owns the rental property? What happens? You're the monopoly man. Even if you don't if you're not the monopoly man, you're not driving you are the one who is the evil landlord and you saw what happened during COVID. So just be careful. Uh, And please, I am not a financial advisor. So please, please um, do your own homework on, on all of this stuff. All right. So what else do you do? Well, another thing that you, you really need to consider just on inflation By the way, food, land, art, an old Mustang that has been redone. Whatever you know will not ever lose its value. Food is never going to lose its value. A classic whatever that is rare. It should have scarcity. Or it should be facing scarcity in the future. Um, The next thing you need to do is get your money out of these big banks and tell them why you're doing it. I refuse to do business with any financial institution that is using ESG. When you stop using ESG as a marker, then fine. But until then, put it in a credit union, a local credit union. Keep everything local. Speaking of that, If you haven't thought about your zoning committee yet, it is as important as your school board. I guarantee you almost every town in America has the 2030 plan, the 30 by 30, which is part of the Great Reset. I can guarantee you it's in your town already. Run and win seats on the zoning committee. You've got to keep this out of your local town and your state. I have talked to several state legislatures uh, in the last week. This is starting to pick up steam, but unfortunately, I think a lot of these states are missing it. Every red state should have, I mean, I think every state should have this, but every red state needs to have an anti-ESG bill that is tied directly to the finance uh, markets. If the financial sector... They're the enforcer of this. If the financial sector starts enforcing ESG when it comes to making loans, et cetera, et cetera, it will change everything. The energy community knows this. That's why they've already stepped to the plate, and they're already changing the law in uh, West Virginia because of coal, in Texas because of oil, Oklahoma because of uh, oil. But it's, that's only the E The social justice and governance are just as bad. Call your state and call your legislators and make sure that they are going to pass an anti ESG bill with the S and the G, not just protecting the oil companies protect me too. (sighs) tell them that I am not an oil company, but I'm going to get hit with social justice. Also, call your congressman. The Build Back Better bill, they are working so hard to get that passed. They have to have those final pieces. Nothing in that bill can pass. Nothing. And it's not about the price tag. It's about the pieces of the machine for the Great Reset. I I hate saying this because this is so urgent. Um... And I hate, I hate the fact that this is charging you money. Um, but I have to. The Great Reset. Order the book now, please. Barnes & Noble is taking orders. Amazon won't take orders. Um, take orders now. There's a paper shortage. We've ordered a bazillion books. But I think this thing is going to sell out fast. And you need this book quickly. If you are someone who is in Congress, if you are someone who is in a state house, read it on Kindle now. Now, read it on Kindle. Let me let, me let James Lindsay explain why this is happening. And it is truly terrifying that, you know, progressives have always believed in this utopia that they can have the experts run everything. And when they say that, and you're like, oh, well, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's good. Have you seen what the experts have done just with COVID? And you're not going to be able to speak out against it. They will silence you. So there's no going back once this starts. And it's close to starting. Why would these companies and everybody do this? Listen to what James Lindsay says in this upcoming podcast on Thursday. Listen to this. You know, I have a theory on this. No, nope, I'm sorry. Not this one. You know. the, uh, the second one with James uh, talking about how tech is, uh, thinks they can do the utopian dream. Do they actually believe or do, or, or do they know they're only positioning themselves
1: for power? You know, I look at people like Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab at the World Economic Mm -hmm. Forum, and I think that they're probably true believers um, in very significant ways, especially Klaus. I think they believe that what's hindered, if you read the Marxism through the 60s, you get this sense that what hindered the Soviet Union was that it lacked the technology necessary to meet the production levels necessary to have a thriving society capitalist society found production but they have all this exploitation and that was the big question that they were wrestling with and so now with the advent of ai and with you know all of these new machines and robots and self-driving vehicles they want to unleash i think they actually think we can pull it off now that you know the ai can predict distribution to get around Um, the information problem that von Mises pointed out and said, this is why communism and socialism don't work. Planned economies don't work because there's information being exchanged between the people engaging in a market. And without that information, you don't know what goods and services are needed. So you have huge excesses of, say, steel or huge deficiencies of, say, bread, and it doesn't get worked out. But with super advanced AI, well, they can predict what you want and give you an advertisement for it before you even know you Correct. wanted it. So they th- I think that there are people, these kind of highly technologist types, who genuinely believe that they're going to pull it off this time, that we now have the necessary technology to make it work, not understanding that human beings are still human beings at the bottom unless the full Marxist program is brought to bear, which is to remake humans to need different things. Well, they are doing that. That's the goal. We are doing that? Transhumanism. Transhumanism is the end of that,
0: but uh, it's frightening. This is what Stephen Hawking was warn- warning about. This is what many people are warning about: transhumanism, where you become one with the technology. You're and in the Great Reset's own words, at the World Economic Forum, in their own words. They will know what you do, where you go, what you do, what you say, what you think, and even what you dream. That's transhumanism. Real quick update: uh, Elon Musk just hit a milestone for his uh, his brain implants, and he is developing a brain implant. Uh, that will be able to connect you to the internet. That's good, right?
2: You know, I want to start by playing what has to be my favorite clip of the week, even though it's an old one. Uh, this is, you know, I talk about the elites and I talk about the elites being in this cloud of unknowing about the fact that they're buffoons, here is a lady. Her name is. Um, uh, she she was at a meeting called the Great Narrative Meeting. Okay, and the Great Narrative is in Davos, you know, the World Economic Forum, and she's an Oxford economics professor, and she. <laughs> this is all. It's almost unbelievable. She she came on and and was talking about, they're talking about how to get, make the narrative so that they, well, I'll use their words. Uh, they can guide the creation of a more resilient, inclusive and sustainable vision of our collective future. In other words, how to talk us into doing what they want us to do. And this Oxford economics professor had this to say.
0: At Davos a few years ago, you know, the Edelman survey showed us that the good news is the elite across the world, trust each other more and more. So we can come together and design and do beautiful things together. The bad news is that in every single country they were polling, the majority of people trusted that elite less. So we can lead, but if people aren't following, we're not going to to get to where
2: we want to go. <laughs> we can lead, but people don't. Aren't, nobody's following us. Why is it? It's weird. We trust each other. We trust each other, so we can do beautiful things. But there's those crazy people—they don't trust us, so they're not following us where we want them to go. It's an amazing, amazing lack of insights. And one of the themes of the truth and beauty is learning to collaborate with creation. This is something we do as individuals. The world consists neither of immutable, unchangeable facts that are out there, nor does it only consist of your feelings within. It's a mysterious kind of collaboration between our minds and our feelings and the world as it is. The most obvious example of this is when you fall in love with someone. You fall in love with someone, that person seems beautiful and perfect, and that can be a valid experience, like with my wife, who actually is beautiful and perfect. But it can also be a delusion, like my wife loving me, which just causes her all kinds of problems. When you're deluded, in the way you experience the world, there are consequences for that delusion, right? You learn about your delusion through the consequences. If the people you love are ruining your lives or if you build a machine that you think is gonna take you to Mars and it ends up just falling down into to a pit, you learn to do things different and the, differently. And the whole difference between a joyful, and I would say a godly life, and a miserable life is reacting to consequences with honesty and integrity, and adjusting your side of the collaboration with reality. You say, "Oh, I made a mistake. The person I fell in love with is not a good person. Uh, this machine is never going to go to Mars. It's just a, a sled. It's not going anywhere." Or. In a more difficult situation, a more difficult example, you say, oh, you know, I got divorced and my ch- when my children were little, or I had an abortion, and now I realize that was the wrong thing to do. I did an immoral thing, and I have to accept that I did something wrong, rather than doubling down on that immorality and pretending it was the right thing so that you shout your abortion or, you know, you become com- increasingly committed to the evil thing that you did. What keeps people... What is it that keeps people from doing, from accepting consequences and learning from them? We all know people who do this, right? We all know people say, now, you know, I, I know that drinking is ruining my life, but I can't stop drinking, so give me another solution. There is no other solution. You gotta lay off the booze, right? What stops them from doing that? And this is, I think, what people mean by the sin of pride, why people say the sin of pride is such a terrible sin and such a a problem. And a lot of people think pride is being puffed up. It's like saying, I'm great, I'm a terrific person, or like that Monty Python song, I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. That's just a symptom of pride. That's the result of pride. What pride really is, is the inability to process shame. You can't admit you're wrong because your fragile, delusive sense of yourself as a good person won't survive, and you'll have to accept that you're a sinful creature. You're a broken creature. You can't accept that your actions have bad consequences or that they're immoral. You can't stand the shame of having done something wrong, and you can't uh, uh, stand the shame of someone else having been right. This, is what ha- this happened to a lot of never Trumpers. Have you noticed like there are a lot of never Trumpers who just went insane and now every word out of their mouth is is absurd? Their opinions are people who are highly intelligent saying absurd things. It's because they can't accept that. Well, maybe they made a mistake. Maybe they should have voted for Trump. Maybe Trump had all kinds of flaws. Maybe he was a flawed human being. Maybe they didn't like him, but maybe it was better to have Trump appointing people to the Supreme Court than it would have been having Hillary Clinton uh, appoint Trump three three justices of the supreme court pride keeps us from acknowledging the consequences of our mistakes you know it keeps us we keep saying we double down on the insanity of what we're doing and i i personally believe that this is a reaction to original sin the fact that we know we're not what we're supposed to be we know we're broken inside and we we're desperate to think that we have virtue we're desperate to think that we are a good person uh and And we can't even accept God's forgiveness because that would mean we're not independent. We're dependent on God. And we can't even do that because that would be a kind of shame. It would be the shame of needing somebody. uh, And we can't process that shame. If you can't process shame, you're forced to keep going down the wrong road even as you ruin your life. Right-wingers and left-wingers do this equally. The only difference is, is that socialism and collectivism never work. Capitalism and freedom can work when they're connected to moral slash religious values. So we have, right-wingers have a narrow chance of getting things right. We have a small chance that we might get things right. And through a genuine godsend of a conservative coalition of Reagan and Pope John Paul II and Maggie Thatcher, we destroyed the Soviet Union. We destroyed the Soviet Union. for So for the last 30 years, We've been living without consequences. We haven't had to deal with anything except for some savage tribes in the Middle East. Uh, We've dealt with a couple of medieval terrorists. But we really haven't had to deal with the kind of genuine global uh, pressure that we got from the Soviet Union because of that moment. That means that the left took over all of our uh, telecommunications, all of our communications territory, all of our culture, basically. And now the public at large is suddenly having this not-so-great awakening where we realize, oh, we forgot leftism, collectivism don't work, right? I mean, the economy had a good quarter because we're coming back from having shut down the economy completely. But- But people are suffering still because of inflation. We have high crime in our major cities. We have Russia and China and Iran colluding in what they call the resistance. They actually call it this. Uh, It's an effort to destroy the American-led world order. So the world order won't be led by a free nation anymore. It'll be led by uh, these corrupt and autocratic leaders, uh, we have bigots in ascendancy, Joe Biden saying that the Justice Breyer has announced his retirement from the Supreme Court at the end of this session. And Joe Biden says, oh, I'm going to appoint a black lady. And you think, well, why? You know, that's that's racist. That's sexist. That actually is the thing that you've accused everybody else of, but we're not going to, you know, so now we have racist and sexist at the very highest level of our government, where before that would have been un- unacceptable. And people are suddenly starting to wake up, and you see this even the left, even and the media, which is the same thing. They can't hide it anymore. Here, let, you will see Margaret Brennan did one of those Zoom. Uh, what do they call focus groups? And she asked people. Um, she asked people. You know how how they like what's going on, right? Here's here's the the clip. During the course of the pandemic, we've been listening to Americans through Zoom to get their thoughts on COVID, the economy, and how the government is handling it all. On Friday, we checked back in with six of them.
1: Who feels like we are in a better place now than we were a year ago? Show of hands. No one believes we're in a better
2: spot now. Well, that's not quite true. Somebody believes we're in a better spot now, or somebody at least is telling us that we're in a better spot now. Here he is. As a result of the progress we made, record economic growth, record job growth, faster economic recovery than any other nation on earth, we are better positioned globally than we have been in a long, long time. I love it. I love it. So that's what I'm talking about, the sin of pride. The left, which means all our institutions, Academy, Hollywood, news media corporations, in their pride, their inability to process shame, they're just going to double down on insanity. They're going to keep doing what they've been doing no matter how badly it goes. And if you don't if you don't agree with them, if you don't think things are getting better, that's your fault. The elites all love each other. They all trust each other. Everything is great if only what how come when they look behind them when they lead and they look behind them no one is there. You know, what they do is they basically tell you the consequences aren't there. The numbers on the GDP are great. Why aren't you happy just because you can't afford to fill up your car? What's wrong with you? What it's your fault as somebody said, uh, Paul Begala said the Democrats aren't suffering from bad leadership, they're suffering from bad followers. It's your fault in the consequences. Abortion wouldn't be bad if you just stopped feeling guilty about it. People wouldn't kill police officers if they didn't have guns, right? If we it's not has nothing to do with us basically condemning all police officers and calling for defunding the police and calling them racist. That's not why they're shooting police in Houston and New York. Two two young men who were police officers ambushed and killed in New York City. Uh, Three, I think, were shot in Houston. I think, uh, God willing, they're still alive. You know, black communities wouldn't have so much crime if we just stopped arresting people, right? The problem is not that the the high crime, it's that we just keep arresting people. Blame the consequences rather than the actions. That is the effect of pride. As the country faces its not-so-great awakening, the left is just doubling down on insanity. If you enjoy this content, like and subscribe and subscribe to the Andrew Claven podcast wherever you get your podcasts. There was an excellent column about this phenomenon that i'm talking about this doubling down on insanity living outside of consequences by uh, the wall street journal editor at large gerard baker now i shouldn't be nice to gerard baker because he promised he was going to come on the show and he ghosted me but i'm just going to be the bigger man here and i'll you know have some friends drop by his house and let the air out of his tires and then move on because he did write a really great column it was it was called politics are already leading us into the metaverse let me just read you a little bit of this If the tech mavens are right, we will all soon live in the metaverse. But since the dictionary defines this mystical place as, quote, a highly immersive virtual world where people gather to socialize, play, and work, you might ask whether we don't already live there. For years, political and cultural leaders in the real world have been creating a virtual make-believe one, an artificially constructed reality of fable and allegory in which performative posturing is the modus operandi. The idea is that by operating in this world, they signal their own virtue, relevance, and even meaning. The public policy class seem to have decided that an artificial reality is preferable to the actual one. Take the pandemic. The coronavirus seems essentially to have defied almost all policy measures to mitigate it. So instead, our leaders have chosen ersatz rules that signal whether you're part of their reality, mask wearing, social distancing, vaccine mandates. There's little evidence to support claims for the efficacy of any of these measures, but they will serve nicely as emblems of belonging in your own universe. It has become absolutely clear. And listen, I have taken, I have never come on and said, this disease is a hoax. People are suffering. People are dying. People have died in their thousands and thousands, in their millions, really, across the world. I have not told you that the vaccines are a hoax. None of that. I'm triple vaccinated. You know, I did everything I could to stay healthy as an older guy, not wanting to die. It has nothing to do with this. Fifteen percent of the suffering this country has gone through is because of this disease. Eighty-five percent is because of people like that lady in Davos who can't wake up to the fact that they're just wrong. They do not know. They're well-informed, and they're probably very bright, but they're wrong. It's easy. It's easy. It's easy not to be wise, right? They cannot—that's where the suffering comes from. When you see a headline that says, oh, children are suffering because of the pandemic, businesses are closing because of the pandemic, none of that's true. None of it's happening because of the pandemic. All of it is happening because of bad government reactions. The important point, the important point to remember as we're talking about this is that the things the government has done, with the possible exception of, of helping uh, create the vaccine, they have not worked, right? Right. There's evidence that the vaccinations have la- uh, low, lessened symptoms for a time. They don't. They're a little bit of a disappointment because they seem to wear off. They don't work as well. They don't stop transmission. But the masks, for instance, here is Rand Paul speaking absolute truth about the mask, wearing masks.
3: The science isn't very good behind this, you know, we've looked at this in Florida, about half the school districts had a mask mandate, the other half didn't. The incidence of the disease was about the same. In Sweden, they haven't worn masks at all for two years in their school. Incidence isn't any different than any other schools in the in the world. So really there's no strong evidence that masks work. When you look at mask mandates, like New York's got this crazy mask mandate, when you look at the institution of the mandate, when it was instituted, and you look at the incidence of the disease. if any. Anything, the disease keeps going up when you have mask mandates the mask really have had no influence on the pandemic
2: so, so I, I i said this to to my own doctor you know he said studies show studies show that if two people in a room wear a mask the incidence of, of transmission goes down I said, yeah, but that's not the real world. In the real world, people take off their masks, they eat, they talk, they do all these things. It's not working. The numbers, the numbers are just the same no matter where you go. The thing that make the only thing that makes a difference is whether or not people are packed together like in New York or spread out in South Dakota, right? The masks, meanwhile, are causing serious problems. Children have eating disorders, psychological problems. All of us should be able to see one another's faces. It's important, it's important in the West that we look on one another's faces. And so remember now, remember the masks, the numbers don't show that the masks do anything. So what's the right thing to do? take the mask off, leave people alone. You want to wear a mask, wear a mask. Don't blame anybody else if they don't want to wear a mask. Let me show you this incredible uh, video of people in a, it's in an elevator, I believe, uh, attacking a man. They're all wearing masks. They're all old ladies. They're all wearing masks. And a guy gets on who is not wearing a mask and they assault him.
4: Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out.
1: Get out. What are you guys doing? Get out. Get out. Get out. Get out. What are you guys doing? Get out. What's wrong with get, you? Out. get out. Don't touch me. Don't you have to do that? Do not touch me.
3: Get out. Get out. Don't don't do not touch you. me. Get out. I'm not touching
2: you. Did you, oh, you just hit me? Did you just hit you just me? Your... You just hit me. You, you just, hit, right.
1: you you just hit me? You too? Right Yo, this is race. Wow. Black class matter. Blackclass matter. Stop! Yo, stop. Stop recording me. I don't
4: know you. Yo, you need to stop.
2: I'm not getting out. I was here the house. It's yours. No. I just want you to hear what they said. These are white ladies. They're all white ladies. They're hitting a black man, and they're screaming as they hit him. As they begin to hit him, they start to scream, Black Lives Matter. Why? Why? because their own, with their own eyes, they can see that they are behaving animalistically. They can see with their own eyes that they're doing something awful, and they're shouting reality down. They're telling reality that it is not what they see. That is the sin of pride in action, and that is a perfect metaphor for the left in this moment. Reporters standing in front of burning cities, burning Kenosha, Wisconsin, saying, oh, it's a mostly peaceful demonstration. As the city burns to the ground in back of them, they're hitting a black guy, they're shouting Black Lives Matter. And it doesn't just affect crazy women and dishonest uh, reporters. This Pride does this to everybody. You know, the, last night, yeah, it was last night on Brett Baier's special report, uh, Harold Ford, very smart, very elegant, really decent Democrat. I disagree with every word that comes out of his mouth, but he always speaks respectfully. He always tries to make his argument. He always marshals the facts as well as he can. I disagree with him, but he's not like a, a shouting, horrible guy. And he's obviously, a you know, he was a former congressman. He works in the financial business. He's obviously a very intelligent guy. So Brett Baer says to him, the Supreme Court is literally going to be deciding whether or not uh, racial quotas are legal. In universities, a case is coming before them, and here is Joe Biden saying that he is going to replace Justice Breyer with a black woman—a racial quota, right? Now, here is this incredibly smart guy, uh, Harold Ford Jr., a- and listen, listen carefully to his response.
1: The president today pledged that qualifications, legal competence, judicial temperament would be foremost on his mind, and that he indeed decided to end the inglorious. Uh, tradition of not having an African American woman on the court. It's important to note that of the 233 year tradition of our Supreme Court, we've had 114 Supreme Court justices. Only seven of them have not been white men. Now, when those 107 were appointed, no one suggested or implied that there was some racism there.
0: But this president's decided that he's going to, uh, ensure that we have this diversity on the court.
1: But
2: qualifications, temperament, and legal competence will have to be first. Okay, so now listen to this argument. This is an argument of a highly intelligent man, right? He says, we appointed all these white men, uh, and no one said that was racist. So why can't we fix it by having black women? But, of course, that is exactly the argument, right? That's exactly what everyone says. Nobody said it at the time because the society itself was a racist society like every other society at the time— but people say it now, right? What they say is that was racist, that was sexist, we only appointed white men. So adopting those values to fix it is using two wrongs to make a right and extending injustice into a new generation and ensuring bitterness and division continues, right? You just keep doing the wrong thing, you're going to keep getting the same result. You can say, you can say, screw you, white people, you, you know, People with white skin were unjust in the past, so we're going to take it out on totally different people with white skin now. Obviously, that's unjust, but you can say that if you, say, if you make that argument. But you can't claim it wasn't racist in the first place, and therefore needs to be fixed through racism because it was racist in the first place, and racism is wrong. This is a, this is a smart guy, a smart, sensitive, you know, a guy who actually respects other people who disagree with him, making an insane argument because he can't just say no. It's wrong. Racism is wrong. We can't fix the past. We move on from here. That's the best we can do. That is the best human beings. Can. You know, if we had the power to fix the past, believe me, I would reach out and fix it. I wish I could. Nobody can do that. The past is past. The future is all we got. So all you got to do is stop is Stop being racist now and let things smooth out. You know, it. the other result of this is you start to idolize fools. You start to idolize fools. Why? Because the more the fool... Uh, fools you, the more he uh, pulls a scam on you, the more you have to deny that that's what's happening, right? It's like shouting your abortion. It's like shouting the, that some expert has really done the, the greatest thing. You know, uh, the other thing that happened on a Special Report, this was a couple of days ago, is they. you know, you always get tomorrow's news today on this show, and I did a timeline of how uh, Fauci and Francis Collins, how they covered up the fact that this flu probably was manufactured in a lab in Wuhan, possibly with our funding. And they covered up, we have the emails, we can show the emails, and Brett Baer, you know, chasing after me a little bit, but they have more reporting power and they did an excellent, excellent job. They basically showed that this was true, that this was a cover up, that they only wanted one narrative, they wanted to control the narrative, and so they kept information from people, they threw people off Twitter, they threw people off, you know, it was basically, you were banned. If anybody said this came out of a lab of Wuhan, In Wuhan, which it almost certainly did, did. now it does, seem to have done. So instead, here's this guy who said, don't wear masks, wear masks. It's going to be over in a week. It's going to be over in two years. It'll never be over. Every time he opens his mouth, he says something differently. You would think that people would start to say, hey, hey, we trusted you. You screwed us. Get out of town. Instead, this is what we get from the press. The single most respected
3: voice in the pandemic It's Dr. Anthony Fauci. The man who's become known as America's doctor. The nation's top infectious disease expert, Anthony Fauci.
1: You are uh, seen to many as a, a superhero. Dr.
4: Anthony Fauci. American hero and New York
1: Yankee fan. You've done so much for this country in terms of this crisis, so I really appreciate your insight.
4: Who better to give us answers that we can trust than Dr. Anthony Fauci? The perfect person to answer our questions today. Joining us now, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Dr. Anthony Fauci, appreciate
3: your candor. Dr. Fauci. Appreciate the candor. We appreciate your service to this
1: country. We appreciate your service. Thank you for your service. Thank
4: you for your service.
0: Greatly appreciate your service to America. Thank you for your 37 years of service, I believe, to seven presidents. And thank you for your work over the past year. The
2: great news is you're sticking around in the Biden administration. We are so grateful to you, Dr. Fauci. (laughs) Why? Why? Because you can't say, oh, this guy fooled us. This guy conned us. This guy didn't get it right. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Because then you're the fool. It's the sin of pride. One time, one time, a reporter approached Fauci and actually took him to task for what he had done. This is the only time. I think think it was uh, Ducey from Fox. I'm not sure who it was. But here's the only time. It was caught on video.
0: If you were really great and powerful, you'd keep your promises. Do you presume to criticize the great Oz? You ungrateful creatures, think yourselves lucky that I'm giving you audience tomorrow
3: instead of 20 years from now.
2: Oh, The great Oz has spoken. Oh. Pay no attention
0: to that man behind the curtain. The great and Oz has spoken. Who are you? Oh, I, I, I am the great
2: and powerful wizard of Oz. <laughs> <laughs> Dorothy Duche does a really good job reporting. That's the moment. That's the moment everybody's afraid of. And it's not just the right. It's all of us. We all are like this. We're all afraid of that moment when somebody pulls back the curtain and says, oh, you're just a broken, sinful guy. You have no virtue. You cannot get by on your own. You are dependent on God. All of that stuff. We do not want that curtain pulled back because that big head, that giant head saying, I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz is all of us. It is all of us. The left simply are the people who have had all the power, especially the cultural power, for the last 30 to 60 years. They have slowly taken over. They've purposely taken over our cultural institutions. They have purposely made it so that the their virtue, not, not just their political opinions, their virtue depend on believing what they believe. You wear a mask because you have virtue. Uh, you believe in affirmative action because you have virtue. You know, they they'll say, you say, well, I don't believe in affirmative action. You say you're racist. Don't you believe that there's racism? Don't you believe there's systemic racism? You know, my feeling is, if you said to me that house is on fire, I'm going to spray gasoline on it, I would say, well, my friend, you have correctly identified the situation, but you've come up with the wrong solution, right? And this is the thing that they keep doing. They have come up with the wrong solution because it's always about the leftism. It's not really about helping black people. It's not really about helping women. It's not really about helping gays. It's always about collecting um, power in the central place where the elites gather so that the elites can do beautiful things together and all of us who don't want to follow because we can see that nothing they do works we'll have to follow because they have all the power and that's what it's about and they're afraid they're i think personally afraid they're personally afraid of that moment when the curtain is pulled back and we say you know I know you're a professor at Oxford I know you're you know you have a, a gr- degree from Yale or Harvard or wherever you went but you're wrong you are wrong and the things that you believe do not work and do not help. Instead, again, they double down on insanity. That's the Cinepride. Hope you enjoyed this content. If you do, like it and subscribe and subscribe to the Andrew Claven podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
4: So the Fed, according to this report bailed out the financial system, not with $5 trillion, but with $29 trillion when we were told five. It wasn't just our banks and our system that they bailed out, they gave money all over the world. In other words, we're not just collapsing our economy, but we are inflating the world on a global scale. And you know what? When it all busts apart, guess who's gonna be hated by the entire world? Us, for creating this problem.
3: Here at Liberty & Finance, We're Licensed Brokers with Miles Franklin. We are standing by the inventory, ready to make sure you get what you need, even into the wee hours of night and on weekends, because preparedness doesn't stop. Call us 1-888-81-LIBERTY. That's 1-888-815-4237. Welcome back to Liberty and Finance. Our guest is the CEO of Miles Franklin Precious Metals, Andy Scheckman joins us this Tuesday, February 1st, 2022 for our weekly market update. Andy, thanks for coming back on Liberty and Finance.
4: Done again, it's good to see you again. Every Tuesday it's like groundhog day, but that's tomorrow actually.
3: Yeah, that'll be it'll be tomorrow all over again. And uh Actually, there has been, it's funny because some of the comments we've gotten on a lot of our videos are that sometimes the message seems repetitive. And I know that part of that is that it's. we both feel a sense of personal responsibility and a mission to make sure that we do all that we absolutely can to get the message out to as many people as possible, that they cannot trust the powers that be, the keepers of our financial lives, and that's going to affect our families' futures and to try to wake people up uh, we 're trying to do what we can sometimes that means means pointing out the road signs that we 're passing along the way saying "See see that one, see that one? I told you, yep, look, here it comes again. So these things that are happening are really changing our lives, and I think a lot of the last two years has wakened a lot of people who were otherwise thinking that all was well and that they could just uh, things would just keep on keeping on and now they realize things can change convulsively and almost without notice, so we 're trying to provide that notice. Uh, Brad Harris from Full Spectrum Survival, whom we have interviewed multiple times on our channel, says the official notice will always come too late. So we're trying to give the unofficial notice, but we're doing it from inside the belly of the beast. You're inside the uh, industry, the precious metals industry, in this case, retail supply chain of that, to help give people an insider's view so that they can see beyond just the surface uh, price uh, action, that sort of thing, about what's actually going to be driving that, the, the causative factors that are a step ahead, forward, leading indicators, that sort of thing. If you could please give us your latest thinking, your latest research that you've been doing on what's really uh, happening and what people really need to be aware of so that they can be aware and prepared.
4: Yeah, I I really appreciate the way you you phrased all of that. And we didn't really talk about any of this, but it, it fits very well. It's a great segue into what I wanted to talk about. And with Groundhog Day, Coming here, I I, look, I realize a lot of the the message that we have been talking about is repetitive. But as you said, there are certain things to me that stick out in terms of flashing billboards or signposts along the way that are very, very, very important. But in the spirit of Groundhog Day, I just want to go on a little bit of a rant because, you know, I deal with this every day as well, uh, talking to people who, who wonder why things aren't behaving the way perhaps that they ought to, the way that we would expect them to. So I want to take us back on a little bit of a journey back a few years ago, we'll we'll, we'll go back to 2008 and go back and forth between there and here. And and let's just think about things and why we want to own precious metals, Uh, why I think that. Supply is going to be a, a, a key factor why I say the things that I do. So let's start with a couple of assumptions. The first being, in my opinion, of course, that the Biden administration is, is hell bent on spending us into oblivion. And they want, in their own words, to reinvent capitalism. And it seems as though we are hurtling towards some sort of economic collapse as we reinvent capitalism. They've told us that they want to build back better, that that we must reinvent capitalism because capitalism is bad and and it's corporate greed that got us here. In fact, just the other day, I'm watching uh, Fox News and there's a snippet of Elizabeth Warren telling us that it's not about inflation, but it's about corporate price gouging that uh, for uh, the reason for the high prices. We've talked about Powell and the things that he says. He said the other day that climate stress tests will be very likely will be a key tool moving forward. And he also said when asked what the the greatest threat to the financial system is, he said a global cyber attack. It just seems that they want to blame everything on the climate or on a cyber attack. And to me, when I hear all of this over and over and over again, speaking of repetitive, it seems to me that they're priming us for some sort of of a major economic disaster or some major economic event, perhaps this is when they roll out their new Fed dollar that they keep talking about. I mean, they've talked about doing studies on, on a new Fed dollar and on a Fed cryptocurrency. So let's just look at what's happened over the last year as an example, right? One year ago, January 2021, when we're just coming out of a lockdown, we're really in a lockdown, I guess you could say, We had gas at $2.50 today it's $3.30. We had a 30 year mortgage at 2.95% today it's 4.06%. We had third quarter GDP back then at 33.1% and the third quarter GDP estimate growth estimate is estimated to be at 2.3% this year. That's a 30% swing. And of course we had inflation at 1.4% and now it's at 7%. Now those are just for the first 12 months of the current administration. But what's bothering me on top of these numbers that they've told us about is what they haven't told us about. In fact, what they've lied to us about. we will talk about that for a minute. I mean, does it feel to you like we have 3.9% unemployment? I don't know about you, but have you gone to a fast food restaurant? Have you seen all of the help wanted signs all over the place? Uh, according to our buddy, your buddy and mine, John Williams at Shadow Stats, we are sitting at just under 25% unemployment. 24.8, I think is his number, 24.8. And these are all the people who are being paid to be unproductive. And does it feel like we have 7% inflation? Here again, John says that number is 15%. And that's with no products on the shelves too. That's what Milton Friedman, the great Austrian economist said is inflation. That's more money chasing fewer goods. And that's exactly what we have. We have wicked inflation. But but how about inflation? You know, and and this is what drives me to say a lot of the things I do. And I'll tell you, it's going through the roof. They're spending trillions of dollars done again, trillions. And they have at least what they told us about. Right. So. Let's go back real quick to 2008 because I read something here the other day that absolutely blew my mind. And I think it's going to blow the listeners minds too. When I get to this really interesting point in 2008, they told us that they spent $700 billion on TARP, the Troubled Asset Relief Program. Remember that? And $700 billion in infrastructure. Now that that $1.4 billion is, is pretty much what created the Tea Party and back then and that seemed crazy people were going nuts that we would spend that kind of money and then they bailed out the banks for another 3.5 trillion i know you remember that too right so they told us in 2008 that they spent five trillion dollars but they didn't those numbers were were sealed for two years they they felt it was too damning to let the public see those numbers but in a in a matter of national security, at the end of those two years, they sealed them for another 10. And they kept them sealed for, for 10 years. And thanks to the Levy Economics Institute Group, who went to the all the way to the Supreme Court with the Federal Reserve under a Freedom of Information Act, we found out that the Fed lied to us in a very, very big way. We're now finding out over 10 years later that it was not $5 trillion that they spent. In fact, it was a whole heck of a lot more. Let's talk about it for one second. They gave Bank of America, according to the Freedom of Information Act that has now just been released, $1.3 trillion. They gave Merrill Lynch $1.9 trillion. They gave Morgan Stanley $2 trillion. They gave Citibank, basically nationalizing Citibank, $2.5 trillion. And guess who's a co-owner of the New York Federal Reserve? Citibank doesn't seem like to me like maybe there's a little bit of conflict of interest there. So the Fed according to this report bailed out the financial system not with five trillion dollars but with 29 trillion dollars when we were told five it wasn't just our banks and our system that they bailed out. They gave money all over the world. They gave 3.7 trillion to Japan 1.5 trillion to the UK. 1.4 trillion to Germany. In other words, we're not just collapsing our economy, but we are inflating the world on a global scale. And you know what? When it all busts apart, guess who's going to be hated by the entire world? Us for creating this problem. And, you know, if you take a look at what's happening in those countries, inflation in the United Kingdom is the highest in 30 years. In Germany, it's the highest since World War II. Japan just hit a two year high, but they've been inflating for a long time, but still. Two-year highs, but then again, let's remember, these are just the numbers from 2010 that we're just finding out about now. These numbers predate COVID, and, and the, the $10 trillion, which doesn't even account for the spending by the Fed, which we don't know, it, it's been sealed. But how about all the trillions in the repo market? And I think everyone, anyone who's wondering where inflation is coming from, needs to realize that this Freedom of Information Act that just came out is showing us exactly where inflation is coming from. This is called modern monetary theory. And I guess my question to anyone out there who is wondering why I am so passionate about gold is what's next? Is it price controls? You're seeing them already Talk about price controls in energy or, or food? It, it, should we reinvent capitalism because capitalism is bad. And I just want people to know that where I come from, It is my opinion after, especially after seeing these numbers, that inflation is going to wipe you out. It's going to wipe you out and impoverish an entire generation unless you get assets quickly because assets will do very well in this inflation driven system. Liabilities will kill you. Debt will kill you. And this to me, the big money has seen this for a very long time. And this is why the big money is transitioning into gold out of dollars. And, you know, one last point, we talk about cryptocurrencies. I just find it beyond interesting people are trying to protect themselves in cryptocurrencies when Fed Chairman Powell says the two things that are bothering him the most, the two biggest threats he sees facing our economy is a cyber attack or climate change. I mean, how much energy does it take? What's the biggest knock against mining for cryptocurrencies? The threat or the the act of it uh, being bad on the climate? or a cyber attack. Does it seem to you or less to me that he's kind of hinting at cryptocurrencies? Because I tell you this, the Federal Reserve doesn't want to share their money creation abilities with the rest of the world. They want to be a one-man show. And I think what he's telling us is that uh, be prepared for some sort of an event. And if it centers around climate change and cyber attacks, I think that's pointing a finger squarely at cryptocurrencies. So when I take a step back and I look at all the inflation that's being created, trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars that we weren't even told about. When I see the Fed chairman telling us that cyber threat and, and climate change is, is the biggest problem. When I see Elizabeth Warren and other politicians telling us we need to reinvent capitalism and its corporate greed and price gouging that has created this problem, it tells me that we are in uh, for, for a long haul, that we are nowhere near the end of this. And I just think that people need to understand where I am coming from is specifically rooted in these numbers that if you don't have assets right now, if you don't have gold and silver right now, when this happens, when this reckoning happens, there's gonna be a problem because we are at that crossroads. And if they really do get tough on inflation, like they're jawboning about, then you're looking at the greatest market collapse of all times in a Great Depression. And it's my opinion that they can never do that. So they will continue to inflate and inflate what they tell us they're inflating will be minuscule to what they're actually doing behind the scenes. So in the spirit of Groundhog Day, I would just simply say to you more of the same thing. You need to own precious metals because the road that we are on does not have a path home. Uh, Like we said a few weeks ago, heads you lose, tails you lose. Pick the path of least resistance and that's where we're gonna end up. And that's always been inflation.
3: You know, there's two things I wanted to uh, piggyback off of that you said there. One is that the nature of the threats about which the leaders are warning us have changed. In the past, uh, people like Ron Paul, uh, Daniel McAdams, the Ron Paul Institute, and um, Mike Rivero from What Really Happened, have come on our show over a decade talking about all wars are bankers' wars, saying that, that these, these pitting of one country against another, oh, those are the bad guys. Now those are the bad guys. Yeah, you're supposed to, don't worry about those anymore. That doesn't matter anymore. Now you're supposed to worry about that, is, has been throughout most of the 20th century, for sure, uh, always uh, thriving the, or fl- fanning these flames of conflict between nations and fanning wars that then always go into the banker's pockets. Um, but if you look at the more recent things, just in these last few years, a global pandemic, global climate change, and global cyber attack. Uh, What's the common thread there? Common thread is, ooh, the new threat is going to be global in nature. So we need to have a a spanning all countries. So no more more borders of your uh, ability to have sovereignty within your beloved country. No, everybody's got to march in lockstep. We've seen that played out, the marching in lockstep over the past two years. So everything you're saying is just being taken like in a 3D chessboard, taken to the next level. Now it's no longer la- the last war we fought. Now it's, now it's, it's everybody against everybody. And uh, a lot of us feel we're behind the enemy lines in World War III and, and wondering, how do we take care of our family going forward? The other thing that you mentioned is that in, even in the face of that, there will be misdirection about what the cause and the root source of that is. Who's pulling the strings? I remember vividly back in the, when Nixon froze uh, Prices back in his term, there was talk about oh, this inflation was being caused because workers are demanding higher wages. It's those darn greedy workers. If it just wasn't for those workers wanting higher wages, we wouldn't be facing inflation. And here we're being told it's it's the it's the failure of capitalism or whatever we have to we have to gut that and replace it with with socialism or whatever. And corporate greed. So anyway, um just be very be very aware of the narratives that are being spun and look for the threads of commonality between these. It's like, hmm, why is it that all the problems that are being proposed as the things we need to be doing, scenarios, role-playing, wargaming, are the things that are going to take a global response that crosses all national boundaries and is, is coordinated from a single source?
4: And real quick, Don, again, just to, just to put an exclamation point, when you see this kind of deceit When you see this kind of malinvestment, when you see this kind of inflation and and them hiding it, locking it away from the public for 12 years because we're not uh, mature enough to hear the truth, um, that tells me that we ain't seen nothing yet. And and I think when people are worried about what the price is doing in the face of what we're being told, remember that gold and silver are the canaries in the mineshaft. They are trying to step on gold and silver because it allows them to continue this facade. But it's getting harder and harder. It's like any lie that you tell the deeper the lie gets, the more the more effort you have to to employ to keep the lie going and to keep the truth from being um, found out. But this is a subsidy. This is why people should not be upset when the price isn't behaving the way it should. They should be thrilled that they still have a chance to continue to protect themselves because when this blows up, and it will blow up at some point, if you haven't taken the steps, you're you're way too late and you're in trouble.
3: Yeah, I think that one point I want to key in on there is that the same people and the same power structures that Proved they were not trustworthy then when the problems were bigger than they'd ever been before the global financial collapse of 2008-2009 The remedy size that they told us that the, the amount of medicine it took supposedly to, to cure how serious the illness was Was order of magnitude more than what they even revealed to us and so they they wouldn't Let us know what they were really doing so those same people now that the scale of the whole thing is already an order of magnitude larger on its face and they're saying uh, yeah, but now because of Fasb 56, all the government books are dark and so on. Uh, but but trust us, we'll take care of this. We we have the tools. We have the tools in our toolbox, Says, says Powell. So the same people and the same power structures that proved themselves unworthy of our trust and and that told us uh, something that was absolutely on its face was a big uh, big fat lie a uh, decade ago are now telling us to trust them again. It's an opportunity to learn uh, to learn from our past.